1: Condemnation drives us away from Jesus. Condemnation drives us away from the cross. Condemnation drives us away from forgiveness. And at the end of that, I'm basically useless. I feel terrible. I'm filled with doubt and guilt. It weighs on me. I'm no use as a Christian anywhere.
0: Do you want to reach people? Do you want to see lives changed? Do you want to leave a legacy for people to remember? It is very simple. Love people. Remember that while you were a sinner, God loved even you. He still went to the cross for you. Pastor Mark encourages us to let this be the foundation of all that we do, then step back and watch God open up opportunities. We can step back and watch God change the hearts and lives of those around us. We're no longer condemned, but rather loved by God who has forgiven even the worst sinner. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, with our continuing study entitled Spiritually Healthy Indicators. Your
1: now, I want you to think about your conscience. You were born, God put within you a conscience. And I want you to write the definition this morning, because we're going to show you how that's affected in the world. Here's the definition. A conscience. It's a moral sense or of right or wrong that affects one's thoughts and behavior. When you were born, God put a conscience within you. He designed you. It's kind of a warning system to help us from making wrong decisions. When God created Adam, he put a conscience in him. And he gave him, he programmed it with one simple fact. Don't touch the tree over there all the rest of yours. So how we live with a conscience, is you're going to see in a moment, is how we're programmed. But even if I'm programmed right, I can disobey my conscience. You all know what that's about. Mama bakes cookies when you were a kid. How many remember that? She bakes a nice cake and she says what? Don't have a bite of that. Don't have a one bite of that sucker at all. That's for the company that's coming. And you were a kid, how many know you got in trouble? Can you raise your hand, you got in trouble. You still remember it. Isn't that amazing what we remember? Well, as you begin to think about the what is this conscience? It's like a moral traffic light. It tells us when to stop, when to slow down, when to go. But it's only as good as its programming. Adam's conscience was perfect because God programmed it with his one command. But what about today? A lot of people say, well, I just live by my conscience. That's a huge danger. Because in our world this morning, I wish it was different, but it's not. In our world this morning, our our young children all the way to teens and then, of course, right into college. Here's what our world is being, it says, which actually programs a person's conscience. Whatever's right for you is right for you. Do whatever you like. Doesn't have to be my right. That's your right. We have people that go so far as to say this. There is no absolute truth. Times have changed. We just live however we want. Well, that's not new. In the Old Testament, there's a scripture that says this. And man, woman, did that which was right in their own eyes. If my conscience, if I program my conscience with worldly wisdom, it's a useless conscience. So, Pastor Mark, what are you saying? Well, I I want you to write this sentence down because I think it will make very much common sense to you. Notice, a healthy conscience must be programmed by the word of God. A healthy conscience must be programmed by the word of God. Right or wrong must be determined by a standard. The word of God is our standard. It's essential for the conscience if it's going to be properly used, educated, enlightened by the word of God. Notice what David says. Look what David says. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. David says this. I want to know your word because when the alarm sounds, I won't disobey it. I won't disobey it. Now what's the problem? You see, knowing the word is huge. Having your, your conscience know what the word of God says is huge. But it's only half the situation. We have to obey the conscience that's put in us. David says... I've hid your words, so I won't sin. Then David goes out uh, on a balcony, and he sees Bathsheba bathing. Are there any alarms going off for David? Oh, I going. I got oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of alarms. <laughs> but what did David do? What did he do? And he went against his conscience. Was his conscience programmed wrong? No, it wasn't. Programmed 100% right. But he disobeyed his conscience. Now when we disobey our conscience, are there any consequences? What we sow, and we know from Scripture, I'll talk about this later, David was one year before he repented. Did it affect him spiritually and physically and emotionally? Yeah. The Bible tells us every area of his life was miserable for a whole year. Why? Because he went against What he learned was right. So that brings us to this principle. God gave us his programming so we would obey. Obedience, a clean conscience, brings joy and peace because that's the way God wants us to live. David understood because later David has to say this, God, restore my joy. I lost it for a year. Now, not only do we have to worry about that, But Satan loves to bring doubt and condemnation and destroy peace in our life. Now, the Bible has lots of names for Satan, liar. But here's one. The book of Revelation says Satan is called the accuser of Christians. Satan is the enemy of God. He's our enemy. The Bible says that he's in the heavenlies and he's always accusing you. And he's saying to God, this person is no good, and this person is good. They say they're a believer, and they're no good. This isn't happening. And and he's doing it, the Scripture says, day and night. But the Bible tells us another huge principle, that Jesus is our intercession, intercessor. And he's standing there, and he's just saying to his father, God, don't believe him. He's a liar. Balmer's okay. Don't believe him. He's a liar. is okay. He loves you, God. Aren't you glad you have an intercessor today? Hallelujah. Now, because of that, Paul wrote something. Remember, Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. And Saul, before he became a Christian, killed many Christians. Well, what would the enemy do to Saul his whole life? Always bring back something of his past that had been forgiven. You see, this morning, that's true for all of us. He loves to bring things back. Remember when you didn't, then? Eh? And so Paul writes a fantastic verse. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And I want you to see it this morning. I'm going to read in the Lumen translation. You know that you're not going to be perfect. So the enemy knows this, but he loves to bring condemnation. And we're going to talk this morning the difference between condemnation and conviction. So look at Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, all of us and all of our campuses, I want us to read it, and I'm gonna stop you as we get started. So now, so when? Hello? Not, not tomorrow. So, so now, there is no, zero, nada, nothing. There is no condemnation for those who are members of Calvary Chapel. For those who go to First Baptist. Has nothing to do with that. There is no condemnation, zero, to those who belong to Christ Jesus. What does he mean? He means there's no condemnation. If you're a Christian, there's no, God never condemns you. Now, why? Look at verse two. And because you belong to him, because you're a real believer, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. And lead you to death. So notice what Paul says. Get ready for an amen here somewhere. Get noticed now. Paul says, God never condemns a Christian. Is that important? Hello. But God does convict Christians. We're not perfect. But when he convicts us, there's no condemnation. So, Pastor, Mark, like, what's the difference between? Them? So we're going to look at the difference between condemnation, and in a Christian's life, how much is there? Tell me, how much is there? None, don't have to accept any. But, and conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the danger I want to give you. We can, there's lots of things with a conscience we can do. Like David, we can refuse to respond to God's conviction. So we begin to harden our heart. David hardened his heart for a year. The Spirit kept coming to him. He just refused the Spirit. And that's why I tell you, when God convicts you, just simply repent. David was miserable. He was unhealthy spiritually in every other way. So we can do that. But but I think there's a greater danger to Christians than hardening our hearts. And here's what I want you to write. This is the danger I want to talk about this morning. If I'm not careful as a real Christian... I'm going to have an overly sensitive conscience. In other words, I'm going to allow the enemy to always focus on my sins instead of God's grace. I'm going to allow the enemy to... Pretty soon my conscience is a flawed witness and, and I feel condemned all the time because I'm simply too hard on myself. Condemnation in general, look at me. Condemnation in general is this huge picture There's hardly anything specific about it. Satan always focuses on how I feel. How I feel. Let me give you an idea how that works. You'll know it as soon as I start it. Here's what condemnation looks like. Satan comes and he says, you don't read your Bible enough. And I kind of go, well, you're probably right. I feel that way. Hey, you don't serve enough. You don't give enough. You don't love others enough. You'll never be good enough to please God. probably right. And at other times, while he's doing all of that, by the way, how much is enough? While he's doing all of that, he brings up that sin from last week or from three years ago or something in our past. And he goes, really? You're you're a Christian? Remember that? He's a master at condemning us. He's a master at condemning us. Now, I want you to see that that guilt affects me. I'm not healthy. God never designed me to be that way. So let me ask you to write very simple, three little, three little words, basically, three or four little words in each sentence. Here they are. Here's the difference. Condemnation is from Satan, and conviction is from God. Say it with me. In all the campuses, let's read this together. Here we go. Condemnation is from who? Satan. It's from Satan. And conviction, what? It's from, it's from God. All right. Now remember that. So when I feel condemned, who's it from? And Satan is a what? A liar. And he's always accusing. He's a liar. When I'm convicted, Satan never convicts me. When I'm convicted, it's from God. And it's good for me. Now let me go through quickly what that looks like. So you recognize it in your life. Because all of us struggle with this. Condemnation comes from Satan. And his goal is to tear us down. It leads to discouragement and doubt And feeling unworthy, guilty, and it makes us believe, because he keeps bringing up all these things, that we cannot change. Condemnation drives us away from Jesus. Condemnation drives us away from the cross. Condemnation drives us away from forgiveness. And at the end of that, I'm basically useless. I feel terrible. I'm filled with doubt and guilt. It weighs on me. I'm no use as a Christian anywhere. How can I witness to someone when they go, Hey, how you doing? Uh... So I'm useless in the kingdom of God. That's exactly why Satan... For one year, David was useless. One year. Most valuable thing you and I have is my time. So understand, that is exactly... Condemnation removes the joy of living... In our usefulness for God. Now, what about conviction? Conviction is from God. Now, why do I need conviction? Because I sin. There's no perfect people. We've already been through all of that. But instead of this general thing you don't read enough, you don't love enough, you don't give enough conviction is a specific awareness of one particular sin. It's like this Satan will say to me, "Uh, Mark, uh, you said an unkind word to your wife yesterday and it wasn't right, she didn't do it, and you blew it. That's conviction, because I know the word I said. By the way, it's not true. (laughs) Maybe true for some of you. What does condemnation sound like? Well, Balmer, you've been married to that woman 46 years, you never do anything right. You'll never be a right husband, you're never a good father. You That's condemnation. See now when that conviction comes, Balmer, you did this. What's my responsibility? Ask God to forgive me and then do what? Ask my wife to forgive me. No, I just want to ask God. No. Well, why would you want to do it? Cuz it's humbling, isn't it? But see, that's what brings restoration. That's what brings restoration. So, conviction is always about one specific area. It it it, it drives me to Jesus. It Causes me to repent, and it encourages me to receive his forgiveness and change. See, it's very different from condemnation. It then restores my joy and makes me useful in the kingdom of God. Now, I discovered way longer ago, than I did, we used to do a small group 30, 40 years ago. We had like 40 people in our home. I was teaching. And guess when the battles came in the home? The very evening I would teach. And, you know, we're at each and I'm teaching, praise God. you only got a book, may God. When I look at my wife, I go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Till my wife and I discovered, enemy, this isn't going to happen. So we'd always be very careful that evening to love each other and be in unison. Amen. 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 Now, when you begin to think of that conviction and condemnation, condemnation sends you away from God and his forgiveness and the cross. Conviction brings you back to God, restores your joy of living. Now, look at go back to John 3.19, because there's something huge. You noticed I use the word often to feel condemned. To feel condemned. That's something we have to deal with. Look at this verse. John says this. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Our actions will show that we're believers. So then we can be confident... I can I can be confident when we stand before God. In other words, in a moment you'll see, I can be confident to pray to God. Even if we say it with me, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Now what in the world is Paul trying to say? Here's the bottom line. I want you to write this and I'll explain it. I cannot live by my feelings. If you live by your feelings, you'll be up one day and down the next. Spiritually, you cannot live by your feelings. I have to live by the truth, the facts of God's word. See, because often, because I, depending on your esteem and God esteem or lack of self-esteem or whatever, and sometimes it's the opposite. You're just super overconfident. Everything's perfect. Lord, help us. You're not perfect. Get out of my face. I hate people that think they're perfect in every decision. Because they're not. You know why people are prideful? You know why people are prideful? You won't like this. I didn't like it when I heard it. People are prideful because they're insecure. Well, I've got all the right answers for you. Really? The reason you're saying that is because you're insecure yourself. Well, no, I'm not insecure. Yes, you are. Now, understand this. So what is the bottom line? What in the world is Paul saying there? Here's what Paul's saying. Listen, there's no doubt that a Christ follower loves God. And we desire to obey him by loving him and loving others. But sometimes I do fall short. Sometimes my heart does condemn me. Sometimes my conscience bothers me. But John reminds us that through all of those feelings, God knows the real you. What does God know about me? What does the Bible say about a believer? Let me just give you three or four. God knows, if you're a Christian this morning, God knows that you love him and you want to obey him. God knows that. There's no true Christian that says they're a Christian and doesn't want to obey God. Doesn't mean I always do. If you say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to obey God. I just want to get to heaven. Let me just kindly say this to you. You're not a Christian. Jesus said it like this. If you love me, keep my commandments. See, the commandments are not bad for us. They're good for us. A conscience is our protector. If David would have heard the alarms, bing, 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 and went, you know, this looks pretty good, but this is not going to get me where I'm going to go. And walked away, we'd have a whole different David. Now, don't look at me like that. You've been there and so have I. So I can't go by my feelings because my feelings sometimes will say, well, I really don't love God then. No, God knows that you love him and want to obey him. God knows that I've been born again. God knows that you're his children. And here's one. Get ready. There has to be an amen coming at this. So I'm just getting your amen ready. You ready? Here it comes. The end of Romans 8 says this. God knows that nothing can separate a Christian from his love. Could I hear an amen in the house? Nothing. Doesn't matter what you do. Be convicted, ask forgiveness. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Praise God. Praise God. That's assurance. That gives me confidence. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't sometimes feel that way. Oh, man, that's what I've been trying to say to you. You can't go by our... We go by facts. The written word Now, will Satan ever bring you back to the facts? Never. Except to try to condemn you. So I have to know those. So some of us always struggle from time to time. Some of us more than others. Would you write this statement down? This is huge. God knows that my security in him, knowing I'm saved, knowing I'm in the family of God, knowing I'm going to heaven, God knows that our security is founded in his power and not in our performance. You never got saved by your performance. People can't be good enough to be saved. You got saved because of the power of God. Forgave you of your sins. It's called grace. So don't ever doubt. Once you're a believer, don't ever doubt your salvation. We'd have to sit here and argue back and forth. Once saved, always saved. Look, I just want to say this to you. All that argument is foolishness. Who in their right mind, as a believer, would ever want to dwell on Well, I wonder if I lost my salvation. You know why people often bring that up? Because they want to go right to this line. say, is that too far? Is that too far? Ooh, a little more. Is that too far? Is that too far? Oh, okay, I'll back up just a little bit. Wrong thinking. I want to be in love with God. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to obey him. That's what a Christian does. Never doubt your salvation. I never doubt my salvation. John 15 says this, Abide in me and I'll abide in you. I'm just hanging with Jesus.
0: Do you feel condemned? Are you convicted of sin in your life? Pastor Mark explained the difference between condemnation and conviction today. Condemnation comes from Satan. They're lies that he will use to keep us from serving God. Conviction comes from God. He desires a closer relationship with us. He wants us to have a better life. So he will convict us of sins in our lives so that we can get rid of them take them to the cross.
2: Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to lessonsforlivingradio.com. And follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed. Or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Viera Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com.
0: Next time on Lessons for Living, we will learn Healthy Spiritual Indicator number 5. Once we confess our sins to God, we then will have the confidence to pray to God with expectation we can boldly go to God's throne and restore our relationship with Him. Our sins are forgiven, and we're not listening to the lies of the enemy. What a wonderful peace that Christians get direct access to God through prayer. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is giving. Lord, let us hear Your lessons for living. Oh, let us oh, Your Lessons for Living Lord,